The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the eighth chapter. Glory be to thee, O Jesus said to the Jews, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died? And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say, he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. What was the straw that broke the camel's back? Our gospel lesson today drops us in the middle of a conversation between Jesus and the Jews in the temple. And it ends with the Jews picking up stones to throw at Jesus. They were going to execute him. Now we're still only in John chapter 8 at this point, and the crucifixion doesn't come until John 19. So it wasn't time yet, and Jesus slipped away from them. But here's the question. What was the straw that broke the camel's back? What made them finally lose it and decide that he deserved to die? Just at face value, I would have thought that it was this. When Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. That's personal. 
The devil is your father, he said to them. That cuts deep. After all, the Jews were the children of Abraham, God's chosen people. They were not like those Gentiles, those pagan nations that worshipped false gods. They had the law and the prophets, and they were waiting for the Messiah. But Jesus said, You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. Of course, they returned the favor to Jesus, mixing ethnic slurs with their blasphemy. They said, are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? It's like what they said a couple weeks ago when they claimed that Jesus cast out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. They thought they were on God's side, but it turns out they were on the devil's side. And you know it because they opposed Jesus. They didn't listen to his words, which meant they weren't listening to God's word. But not only were they on the devil's side, Jesus says today that they're the devil's children. He's not pulling any punches, is he? Jesus tells it like it is. He speaks plainly. He's not lobbying insults just for the fun of it. He's telling the truth. The Jews, on the other hand, they were just making an attack. They were treating Jesus like a political opponent trying to discredit him, trying to show why they and others shouldn't believe him, trying to advance the interests of their party, even at the cost of the truth. But this comment that Jesus made, that these Jews were of their father the devil, that's not what drove them to pick up stones. That's not the straw that broke the camel's back. It was this. It began when Jesus told them that anyone who keeps his word will never see death. And they replied, now we know you're crazy. Now we know that you have a demon. Our father Abraham, even he died. Are you better than him? Or all the prophets, the men of God, they died. Are you greater than they are? They thought they had caught him. But Jesus went on to say, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. The Jews scoffed at Jesus. You're not even 50 years old, and you say that you've seen Abraham? They didn't scoff for very long, though, because what Jesus said next enraged them. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. That's when they picked up stones to throw at Jesus. Now, what's so bad about that? It doesn't even really make sense, does it? Maybe if he had said, before Abraham was alive, I was alive too. That at least would have made some sense, even though it couldn't possibly have been true, as far as the Jews were concerned. But that's not what Jesus said. Before Abraham was, I am. That's not mere crazy talk. It's not just being insensible. You have to listen carefully here. When Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am, he's saying that he's God, and he's saying it in a very specific way. I am is the most holy name of God. Remember the story of the burning bush. Moses was exiled out of Egypt, and he kept sheep in the land of Midian. And while he was there, God appeared to him in a bush that was burning, though it was not consumed. Moses went to take a closer look, and God told him to take off his sandals because he was standing on holy ground. And God said... I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And he told Moses, 
to go back to Egypt to demand that Pharaoh let his people go. But Moses said, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. It's a cryptic answer, isn't it? What kind of a name is that? I am who I am. It's the name that sounds like this in Hebrew, Yahweh. And whenever you see the word Lord with all of the letters capitalized in your Bible, that's what's there, Yahweh, the name of God, I am. It's a name that tells us that before there was anything, God was there. And it tells us that he is free, that he does what he wills to do, and the whole universe is his. Tell the people of Israel, God said, I am has sent me to you. Now back to Jesus. When Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am, all the Jews heard it and understood that he was claiming not just to have seen and known Abraham, but that he was the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is the one who called Abraham out of his country and gave him the promise of a land and a family. Jesus is the one who was there before Abraham was born, who was there at the creation of the world, the one by whom all things were created. Now you and I may take this a bit for granted. We confess it every week that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God, very God of very God. But put yourselves in the shoes of the Jews for a moment. Here, standing before them was a man flesh and blood. They knew where he came from. They even knew something about his birth. They had taken a jab at him earlier, observing that Joseph wasn't his real father. They implied that he had been born in sin, that his mother must have been a fornicator, and that his birth, Jesus' birth, was illegitimate. He had a shameful origin as far as they were concerned, and he looked no different from anyone else. He was just another guy. But now he was claiming extraordinary things, not just that he was somehow divine, but that he was the personal God of the Jews, the God they knew from their scriptures, the God who sent plagues on Egypt, and the God who descended on the temple in a glory cloud. Think about how strange that was to hear. Here they are standing in the temple where the sacrifices are offered to the Lord God, Yahweh. That temple existed so the Jews could worship God and receive every good thing from him. And now Jesus stands up and says, I am, I am Yahweh. I am the God that you think you've been worshiping. I am the God to whom all these sacrifices are offered. I am the God who brought you up out of Egypt and led you with a pillar of cloud and fire towards the promised land. I am the one. You can imagine that they'd be skeptical. But what made it worse was all of the things he'd been saying. The things he'd been saying about them and the world and about everything that matters, really. If it's true that he is God, well, then you have to listen to him. If it's true that he's the Son of God, that he speaks on behalf of the Father, that he himself is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Lord of the Sabbath, the one with the authority to execute judgment, then everything that he said about sin and the peril of death and life and salvation, about being born from above and eating his flesh and blood, about forgiveness and righteousness and the truth, everything that he said is not just vain ramblings, but the very word of God, with the authority of God. And it calls you to repent and it asks you to believe and to ignore it 
is to come under his judgment. There is a lot not to like about that. We don't like being under anyone's authority, much less some man who is claiming to be God. Our instinct is to do the opposite of whatever that guy says, especially when what he says is that our lives are not what we think, that we're going in the wrong direction, that when we try to serve God on our own terms, we're actually serving the devil. And so when Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. They wouldn't have it. Maybe they could tolerate him if he were just a rogue prophet, but not if he's God. They picked up stones to throw at him. I think it's possible for us to relate. There are things that Jesus says, what he says about our hearts, how dark they are on their own, the way he calls us to love and to give selflessly, expecting nothing in return, thinking only about the good of our neighbors, the way he asks us to sacrifice, the way he asked Abraham to sacrifice, the way he asks us to lay our consciences bare, not to hide from him, not to try to cover up our sins or to minimize them or to put them out of mind, but to own them and acknowledge how wretched we are, the way he asks us to trust in him alone, to go to him alone for mercy and forgiveness and a clean heart and a good conscience, the way he asks us to confess him, even as he is bloodied and on the cross, to confess and not to deny him, all of those things that he says can be very uncomfortable. Our lives would be more comfortable if we didn't have to listen to him, or if we didn't have to listen to all of it, if we could only listen to the pleasant parts. If only he weren't God, we wouldn't be bothered with all of the uncomfortable, inconvenient things that Jesus says. That's what was bugging the Jews. That's why they wanted to stone him. He claimed to be God, and they did not want him to be God. One of the themes of the Gospels is that until the resurrection, until Easter, almost nobody sees the big picture. Not the Jews, not Jesus' family, not his disciples. Everyone struggles to understand how the things he has been saying can possibly be true. That is what makes this season of the year so important. What we learn in the coming weeks, from Palm Sunday through Maundy Thursday and Good Friday to Easter, what we learn is that everything Jesus said is true. He spoke with the authority of his Father. He taught the kingdom of God in truth because he is God. And then he died. Because the point of everything that had come before, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the exodus from Egypt, the gift of the promised land, the prophets, the temple, and the sacrifices, all of it was building up for this moment. The point of Jesus' teaching is not to make us uncomfortable or to disrupt our lives, although it does those things. The point is that he wants to give us life. He wants us to be children of his father and not children of the devil. He wants us to live forever and never to die. He wants us to be perfect and holy and blameless. And so, he died. He died as a sacrifice. Because no sacrifice that you or I could make would ever be able to cover, to atone for our sinful hearts. It required something better, something better than bulls and goats. It took the very Son of God. And so he died. 
And when he rose on the third day, he was vindicated by his father. Everyone looked on and thought the story was over. Look, he was no better than Abraham or the prophets, for he died as well. That's what they would say. But when he rose from the dead, he rose in power and glory, and with all authority in heaven and on earth, having been given to him by his Father. And that means that everything that he said was true. And that means that everything he promised would happen, down to this most wonderful promise in our gospel today. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews that Jesus was talking to wouldn't listen. They wouldn't hear his words, much less keep them. They did not want Jesus to be God, and they were willing to kill him to ensure that he wasn't. But for you, the fact that Jesus is God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who promised to rescue the world from sin and death, your God and your Lord, that fact is your great hope and salvation. And just as surely as he stood there in the temple, in the flesh, proclaiming the kingdom of God to whomever would listen, here he is still today. Though he has ascended to the right hand of his Father, yet he still remains present with us in his word and in his flesh and blood in the sacrament. So that keeping his word, receiving his forgiveness and blessing, we will never taste death. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.